Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminals, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail created by Tabitha and Katie. Hey guys, it's Tabitha. And I'm Katie. And welcome back to part three. Dun dun dun. John Wayne Gacy Jr., even though he's not really a junior, so I really don't understand that. Because if you're a junior, you need to be a full repeat It bothers me name. that he goes by junior when he's obviously not a junior. And there's a lot of no. things about Gacy that should bother me, but that's one of the main ones. That is a thing. <laughs> and I feel like he probably goes by that so that he could be more connected to his, his daddy-o. But... Daddy-o. daddy-o. Good old daddy-o. I don't know about yeah. you, but... Writing this part three, I just felt like if we wanted to, we could have done part four, part five, part yeah, six. we have a lot of information. I feel... And there's a lot we did not put in. That yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's like one of those things where I'm like, but there's so many details that I want to include, but we need to stop. Because <laughs> we need to just do the Also, because the only people who care about some of those details are us. And so. Yeah. <laughs> And it's disturbing. He's a disturbing person. I feel like if Satan was a real, like, living being on this earth, it was embodied in John Wayne Gacy. Yep. For a time. Maybe he was possessed by Satan during this. Not that that means he's not guilty, but... Yeah. Just maybe. So, yeah. So, let's talk about tonight's drink, because I'm already one in. <laughs> it's, it's Monday. No, it's Thursday for you guys, but it's Monday for us. We're recording a few days earlier, and yes. one day back at work really just drives me to drink sometimes. <laughs> so, I'm, like, having a great time on the weekend. I was just like, life is good. And then it hits around, like, 10 p.m. Sunday night, and then I get, like, slapped in the face with reality. And I'm like back to depression <laughs> yeah i mean i had like a good weekend but it was one of those weekends where i just felt like i was catching up on everything i needed to do yeah so didn't like, like literally it yesterday i did six loads of laundry oh and meal prepped for the week and cleaned the house and yeah it, it was like not fun but you know i listened to some good podcasts and drink some drinks with the cats <laughs> living the life <laughs> They have their martini glasses out. Their meowscato. No judgment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, do I have some kitty weed for them? Maybe. <laughs> Shrek too. When they're like holding Shrek. Or that's the not mine. No, oh, that's not mine. Honestly, <laughs> before I even ever smoked weed at all, that was like my favorite part in that movie. God. And what goes better with a little joint than some drinky? Oh. <laughs> Let's get back on track. <laughs> what are talking about? I'm all reminiscing about Tolkien's Day's pets. All right, so our cocktail is Tears of a Clown. 
Um, which <laughs> you'll see. Oh my god, I'm scared. <laughs> so hey, you're gonna take two ounces of white rum, one ounce of black raspberry liqueur, one ounce of lemon juice, and um, muddle that with some fresh blueberries and raspberries. Shake that up with some ice. Put it in an ice filled glass. Do a couple little dashes of bitters, and then top off with some soda water. And um, you'll be drinking Gacy's tears when he gets convicted. That's to disgusting. Death. <laughs> so, um, and as I, Gacy would say, "Kiss my glass." <laughs> kiss my glass. I can't even do his accent, but it's annoying. Uh, anyway, yeah, I don't know. It, it sounds nothing like that. I did like a more southern. I know. Accent. <laughs> That's what I feel like he should talk like, but he has that um, no. the Midwestern. Well, she has a Chicago accent, which is its own thing. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going to attempt that. You guys know how bad I am with accents. <laughs> we all learn that from the Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> we lost, like, all of our British listeners. <laughs> we don't want to lose all the Chicago listeners either. <laughs> so if you want uh, to see that recipe and make it for yourself, go ahead and go to our Instagram, where you can always find it, and our Patreon, slash Crimes and Cocktails. Ba-ding. And then... Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening. Uh, we really appreciate the reviews and the ratings, um, as long as they're five stars. Yeah, um, but also, thank you so much, patrons. I was just telling Katie that we are actually making a net profit of $10 this month. <laughs> so. Hi, rollers! <laughs> So, we're going to go buy ourselves a coffee to split. (laughs) (laughs) To split. (laughs) No, but the money that you guys send us on Patreon, it literally goes back to you. Like, we enjoy making this podcast. It's just for fun. But you guys have helped us buy better mics. You guys pay for our recording software. And you guys obviously... We send you guys really cool stickers and t-shirts because we want to just show our appreciation for you and give you guys some extra stuff. And speaking of stickers, um, I don't know how much longer I can use it as an excuse, but I promise it's legit. Uh, COVID is slowing down the process on us getting stickers, so we'll have you will get soon. that soon. And we're going to do a giveaway soon, too. Yeah, so thank you guys so much again for all the love, and let's get to Casey part three. Before we continue, a little fun fact. I saw in the news just the other day that the new house on Gacy's property just sold. Um, so if you wanted to live in a literal hellhole. Damn it. Um, <laughs> too bad for you. All my Dogecoin <laughs> was going to go to that. Oh my god. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, your dreams are dashed and uh, somebody's asking it haunted there. So, yeah. Honestly, I could never. <laughs> no. <laughs> Real talk, I could no. never. Never. I mean, I know his actual house has been like you know torn down, whatever. But the property, I mean, but the ground, they, were they weren't in the house. They were in the ground. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. No. So speaking of bodies, speaking of bodies, this is a podcast about murder and crimes. You got your cocktail. Let's get to the crime. <laughs> okay, so if you guys remember when we left off last time, Gacy had just murdered 15-year-old Robert Piest and. I'm going to try to say P.S. the whole time, but I'm pretty sure I actually wrote priest a few times in my notes, so forgive me if I accidentally say that. Um, Just to refresh on our timeline real quick, so Gacy is 36 years old here. Years old. said that really weird. Anyways. I don't (laughs) like that he's so close in age to us. uh, Don't say that. I'm not in my 30s. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 22. (laughs) 
anyways, his first he's accomplished so much too. Jeez. <laughs> More than me, that's for sure. <laughs> Leader of the gay seas, married twice. I haven't been married once. <laughs> Gosh. It's times like this where I really reflect on my life. <laughs> what have I done? Sitting here in my room with the two cats passed out on the floor and me drinking. <laughs> well, Gacy's married twice. <laughs> yeah. God. Gosh. Gosh. Anyways. So he's 36 years old. His first murder, if you remember, was in 1972 when he, quote unquote, accidentally murdered the Greyhound busboy who was cooking him breakfast. Uh, and I say quote-unquote because, I don't know, maybe it was an accident, maybe it was more like, whoopsie, and then, ooh, I like this, boom. So, anyways, by 1975, so his first murder in 1972, by 1975, he had murdered two more boys, because he discovered how much he really fucking liked it, and here we are, just three years later, in 1978, where Gacy has brutally raped, tortured, and murdered 33 boys that's fucking insane by the way that's insane insane uh at this point gacy feels untouchable he's like no one's gonna stop me he has his systems down he is drugging them usually or getting them really drunk he's usually he does this thing he calls the rope trick or the handcuff trick where he's like hey I'm going to handcuff you and show you how to get out of them, blah, blah, blah. And then they he handcuffs them, and then he's like, okay, show me how to get out. And he's like, oh, you have to have the key. Ha, ha, ha. Like, so fucked up. Um, so he's doing that, and then he's raping them. He is practicing sodomy with on them with, like, dildos or pill bottles, all kinds of stuff. He's asphyxiating them by shoving their panties down their throats. He later says that he did this to keep their fluids in their bodies because that grossed him out, apparently. And he has soundproofed his garage, or not garage, his uh, basement at this point. He's decked it out in his little, you know, gross porno, movie, wannabe, pimp room, whatever. He's got all the mattresses on the floor, if you remember. Like, his wife, ex-wife, had said she saw. He's got mirrors on the roof, so he can see what he's doing. Different angles. He's got red lights. All this fucking shit. And I actually read, too, that after he would uh, murder the boys, that he would take all their clothes and donate them to Salvation Army, which I find... Absolutely disturbing. How kind, right? You imagine, like, you're just wearing someone's clothes that they were murdered in. Yeah, and not even knowing, and that's, like, evidence. (laughs) And it just gets spread out everywhere. So disgusting. And then he looks like, oh, you're so sweet, always donating stuff. Ga la la. Yeah, fucking disgusting. Anyways, he's going at a crazy rate. He has no sign of stopping at this point. But finally, he fucks up. So, Robert Piast, if you remember, he's the kid that he picked up from the pharmacy, the Nissan, I believe it's called, pharmacy, when his mom was waiting for him. It's sad to say, but he murdered a kid that was actually really close with his family, and that's why he got caught. They actually cared, and they knew that Robert wouldn't have just left, because a lot of these boys, he would make up rumors like, oh, well... They ran away to California. Everyone always says that, by the way. They always say they run off to California. It's the place to be. 
<laughs> is it? Are we just <laughs> home to all the bangers? Actually, you know what? A lot of people that are in California are usually not from California, so that's actually probably pretty true. Yeah. Uh, and during this time, it was like a hippie area, so people Hollywood were or San, actually here. San Francisco. You're right. Yeah. Hippie Hill, man. Ashbury, height in Ashbury. Which, by the way, there's some good fucking brunch spots over there right now. If you guys want to go hit up some brunch hard. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that sounds so good. Uh, it's like nine I've been at night to brunch, brunch one time since the pandemic started, and it's all I can think about is how much more many times I can get brunch in my system. <laughs> and I mean, when I say brunch, I mean like with other people because obviously during quarantine, I was brunching every day by myself. It's not the same thing. No. Brunch has to Unlimited be out. Unlimited mimosas should be out. Yeah. <laughs> Not in your bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> With the cat circling for their weapon. <laughs> With forensic files playing 24 oh, 7. Uh, yeah, it's been a great year. Anyways, so he um, was working at this pharmacy. He was doing some, I don't know, re something in the walls or whatever there he's working on it and he fell in love with robert pierce and decided that's the one so his family knows his family like i said his mom was outside waiting for robert and robert comes out real quick he's like hey mom i'm gonna be out in just five minutes there's a contractor in there i want to talk to him he said he might be willing to give me a job this summer i read that Apparently, Robert was making $2.50 at the pharmacy, and Gacy said he would pay him $5 an hour, which is crazy to me to think that that's what wage looked like back then. I but feel like I make $2.50 an hour. Sometimes. I feel like I make $5 <laughs> an hour. It's like a dollar an hour. <laughs> so, Robert Piast. Uh So, unfortunately, this is before you could really report, because Robert Pierce is 15 years old. He's not an adult. Um, but this is before, this is still when you can't report missing people until they've been missing for 48 hours, which now, thankfully, we have laws to protect this when it's a child involved, which is why we have things like the Amber Alert and the Missing Child Act. Um, but at this time, they still had to wait, which is so fucking sad because I think, man, like, if if they could have got a cop involved right away, maybe this could have been prevented. But at the same time, Gacy really didn't take his time with his victim. I mean, he did and he didn't. Like, he did torture them. But I think with Robert Pierce, it was pretty quick, actually. Like, he tortured him. Um, he actually... Uh, he suffocated him with a nylon rope around his throat. Um, and I did read later that Gacy said that he actually answered a phone call in his room while he was slowly choking Robert to death and like a business call, which is fucking disgusting, but, um, just a normal day. That's, (laughs) that's fucking Gacy. He's disgusting sack fucking shit. Anyways. So he's a disgusting bucket of chicken. (laughs) so as soon as the police were able to investigate the family told them that the last thing they remember is that robert said he was going back inside to talk to a contractor about possible work well upon further investigating they were able to discover that the contractor was john wayne gacy so it was noted that gacy was at the store twice that night um like i said he was working so he was there around six and that's probably when he first saw robert 
and then he came back later at 8 o'clock and left about 8.50, which Robert is reported to be missing around 8.59 o'clock. And if you remember, Detective Kozenzak really took an interest in this missing persons case because his son was about the same age as Robert and went to the same high school. And some might say, oh, that's really fucked up. But sometimes that's what it takes, right? Sometimes it takes for you to identify with the victim and really get personal with it to Mm -hmm. get in it. So, yeah, making it personal. So it's a good thing that he did because who knows how many more boys Gacy would have murdered. After some digging into Gacy, they discover that Gacy was out on parole for a sodomy and assault on 15-year-old Donald Voorhees, if you guys remember the young J.C., back in Iowa that he served some prison time for. Um, They also found that Gacy was arrested in 1972 for an aggravated battery and reckless conduct in a sex-related offense. That person got away. They, um, well, both people got away. But at this time, they see these two cases in Gacy's history. He's the contractor that was at the pharmacy. Robert was supposed to have talked to a pharmacist. So it's at this time that they decided to pay Gacy a visit and get a search warrant. They started working on getting a search warrant together, even though they didn't really have a whole lot of evidence. He just had that feeling about Gacy. Uh, So they go to Gacy's house and they ask if he would come in for some questions. Here's the crazy part. While the police were there at the door, Robert's body was up in Gacy's attic at that time. Gacy said he needed some time to come down to the station because, quote, his uncle had just died, which he Dude, never mentions this again. I'd be like, fuck your uncle. You're coming with us now. Like, fuck your uncle. It's just, yeah. And you got to also remember here that Gacy is really well known in the community. Um, he parties with, like we said, politicians. I mean, he has a mm-hmm. picture with the first wife. Like, yeah, he's uh, not just Carter. some creeper dude. He's the family neighborhood party clown. He's doing, you know, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay. He's going That's to parties, kid mission. birthday parties, and he's dressing as a clown. He's having massive parties at his house, like barbecues and all this stuff. Everyone knows him. He's probably donating to politicians. He runs three different companies. Yeah, he's donating to Salvation Army. I wouldn't be surprised if he's involved in his church. He's involved in the JCs and the professional. He's still taking care of his ex-wife and stepkids. He's offering all these. Yeah, he has his own kids, and he's offering all these, you know, young boys opportunities in his construction company. Like he runs the KFCs. Like he's. He's not nobody. It'd be like if someone thought your mayor or something of a small town was guilty of this. So this detective's really going out on a limb here, I would say, to get this warrant together. But he's just got some kind of weird feeling about it. Yeah. So I think that's kind of why the police are like, yeah, sure. Just come on the station later, okay? And they asked him, apparently, like, well, how long do you think they'll take? And Gacy, like, gets really angry. Like, don't you have any sympathy for me? Or something like that, so. They're like, no, dude, there's a 15-year-old boy missing, so. Yeah. Nah. So, a few hours later, Gacy calls Detective Kozenzak, and, um, like, around 11 p.m. on December the 12th, 1978, and he asks if um, he still wants to talk, which is like, yeah, of course I do. And then, so Gacy said it would take him a half hour to get there. Kozenzak waited around until 1 a.m., but Gacy never showed up. 
So um, later they find Which is out. unbelievable. Like, right. he should have been arrested at this point. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, I would have waited that half hour, and then when he didn't, like, you know, 15 minutes for traffic or something, and then when he didn't show up, I would have been like, go to his house and get him. So anyway, kind of fine now. Gacy, he goes up to his attic. He pulls down the body of Robert Peace. He moves him to his truck, and he drives to the Des Plaines River. He dumps uh, Peace's body and then gets his car stuck in a snowbank fucking idiot and then has to call for a tow at 2 a.m so now we're at 3 20 a.m and gacy which is like fucking crazy that could you imagine imagine that you're dumping a body and you get your car stuck and you have to call triple a right to come out and get you they're like what are you I'd be doing shitting balls i think i'd almost like at that point i feel like i would just leave my car and say someone stole it like, that's what like, i, I would know. do i would leave it and walk back like <laughs> i mean i don't know how far out there it was maybe it was yeah. just not an and it was option. also probably a really crazy cold winter too yeah. but if it's still. stuck in a snowbank it's probably not a good time to be walking around but also i don't know i would rather brave the elements than get caught dumping a body but that's just me so uh yeah 3 20 a.m and gacy finally shows up at the police station so he was supposed to be there at 11 30 now it's 3 20 and he asks to see cozen zach but then he's told to go home and wait until later that day so that's another thing that's crazy is like all this time in between, and then they're going, oh, no, just go back and come back later. Well, because Cozen and Zach, my he, understanding, was home. Yeah, no, I mean, he obviously went home at this point, but yeah. I've been like, you can wait here until he comes in in the morning. Like, I... Um, but apparently, didn't Gacy get, like, really upset or something like that? Like, no, I want to talk to him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Because <laughs> everybody has Fucking to run on his time. people like that. So he comes back later, of course, and then Kozenzak asks for his keys and shows him a search warrant. So when Gacy didn't show up before, they worked on getting a warrant because they're like, obviously something's going on. So um, yeah, he's like, give me your keys. We got a warrant. And um, Gacy is like super pissed off at this. He tries to talk his way out of it and say like, oh, you can't, you can't come in or there's, there's not necessary, blah, blah, blah. But then Kozenzak, you know, is like, we have a warrant, dude. So Gacy relents and then gives up his keys. Yeah. So at this point, the police immediately go to Gacy's house and they search it. Now, yeah. I found the official warrant online, actually, um, for the Cook County case stocks there. And the official warrant was only to seize. Now, here's the thing about warrants is you're su- when you ask for a warrant, you ask the judge, can you approve this warrant? I want to specifically look for these items or do this thing. And you're supposed to stick to that, but usually yeah. cops are using it as a get- way to get the foot in the door to see what else they can find. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as but, it's not in the open. Right, exactly. This warrant was only to seize a light blue down jacket, which is the jacket that Robert Peast was last seen wearing. Tan-colored Levi pants, same a uh, brown wedge suede shoes, a brown leather wallet, a Levi t-shirt, and they said any kind of dried blood samples or dried blood stain clothing, and to get his three vehicles, which was a PDM, that's the name of his company, his construction mm-hmm. company, the black van truck, a uh, black 1979 Oldsmobile, which I just realized <laughs> reading that out loud that that's a brand new fucking Oldsmobile. Right. This is 1979. Like, what a fucking baller. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's uh, all the black, money saved not paying his employees. Right. Not paying his employees. Just kill him off. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Uh, and then a 
black PDM uh, pickup truck. So, however, the police collected 57 items, and that was not 57 items, I just listed off. And only one of those 57 items was a blue jacket that they found crumpled up, like, on the washer, I believe. So, you can bet your bottom dollar that Gacy tried to fight this. This was definitely one of the things that got brought up in the trial later, where they're like, no, your warrant said you could only get this, but you guys grabbed all this, blah, 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 blah. Let me list just a few things that they found on this first initial search. Several police badges. If you guys remember, I think we talked about it in our last episode that Gacy would impersonate a police officer sometimes to get boys to get in the car with him. Handcuffs. A bunch of porn movies. Um, an 18-inch dildo, which fucking frightens the shit out of me. Like, I wouldn't what the even... Fuck? I don't even want to make eye contact with that. No. <laughs> I just think of that scene of white chicks oh and God. you stare at the thing in the face. Shake it. <laughs> you shake it. But 18 inches, holy fuck, dude. Uh, syringes, hypodermic needles with bottles of Valium and atropine. They found some nylon rope and they found crumpled up in the trash a receipt for picking up film from the Nissan pharmacy, which they're like, hmm, that's where Robert was last seen. Later on, this would be proven to actually be Robert's, not his receipt, but his friend who's a girl's receipt, not his girlfriend, but his friend who's a girl's receipt. They found also several men's brief underwear, like in the bathroom closet that was way too small to be Gacy's. (laughs) Oh, no, no, those are mine. I I squeeze them. Those are mine. (laughs) They're thongs. (laughs) They're like, um, this wouldn't fit your thigh. Pogo. <laughs> no Pogo. No Pogo. He's like 220 pounds, I think, but he's around 5'9", I want to say. So he's a little bit of a heavier dude, and these boys are 15 years old, so yeah. they don't have muscle mass or anything like that. Like, you can imagine these are probably little Spider-Man underwear or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what y'all wore in the 70s. <laughs> Anyways, he find they also find a class of 1975 Main West High School ring engraved with initials J-A-S. Uh, they also find several books about homosexuality and pedophilia. I was actually trying to locate the names of some of these books because I remember hearing about them in a podcast one time. I couldn't find it on the internet, um, at least not in the time frame I had. You gotta stop looking at some point with those. You do have to. And also, I almost was like looking at some stuff at work, and I was like, no, that's not a good idea. This is not my computer. This is how you get arrested for a murder you did not commit. Um, But I do remember hearing the titles, and they were insane. Like, I think one of the titles was something like, How to Have Sex with a Child, or something like that. And it was like, How is that actually a book? Like, how is yeah. that book published and being sold? What the so actual fucking fuck? Foul. What the fuck? It's like those sick fucks right now that try to say, oh, that's my sexual orientation. No, no, you sick fuck. That's not. That's Nobody's being sexual a orientation is a 10 year old. Like, you're disgusting. No. No. That's when you just meet another 40 year old that thinks they're a 10 year old and you fuck them. Anyways. Uh, they also found a two by four with a with holes drilled in the side of it, which 
I believe he used to kind of tie his victims to that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they took a lot of different photos, too. And there was a TV in there that I, I don't remember why they took a picture of this TV, but it did turn out to be one of his victims' TVs that he stole. But they took a picture of that TV. They were paying attention to everything in there. They released Gacy around 11 p.m., but they immediately put him on a 24-hour surveillance. Um, the other thing I don't think I mentioned was that they found a bunch of wallets and, like, IDs and things like that in there. Uh, I don't think I mentioned that. So they also found that, too, um, which is just weird. A lot of weird trinkets from things. Yeah, his um, trophies. Trophies, exactly. So Gacy knows he's being watched, and he's very arrogant about this. And like I said, he knows he's somebody in this town, and he just is assuming, like, I'm going to get away with this. This is, like not the end of me. So he would do shit like invite the cops that are watching him to breakfast or treat them to dinner or like buy them a drink and shit. And it's actually during this surveillance that Gacy stupidly and confidently invites the watching officers into his house one time to have a chat and sit on the couch and talk like whatever. But it's this time that one of the officers, Officer Schultz, notices the overpowering smell of rotting human flesh. Schultz reportedly had dealt with several corpses in his time as being a police officer, and he knew what the smell was like. And he he was like, that's what it fucking smells like. Apparently, they didn't smell this when they did their first initial search, but they think because the house was cold. Mm. This is winter. But the second time that they went in there and they looked, or when the officer smelled it, I guess the heater was on. So they kind of think maybe the smell was traveling through the pipes or something like that, and that's why he could smell it that time. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't really help Schultz's character for when this is later used in trial, because Schultz apparently waited 40 hours to tell Detective Kozenzak about this, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if he was still preoccupied with the shift or what or I could not be preoccupied with anything no I don't know like unless he was doubting himself or maybe he has like this like I know Gacy's like normally a cool guy maybe I'm overthinking this you know maybe he's kind of doing that back and forth I don't know maybe he's just making a a Christmas ham (laughs) gross (laughs) bleh so this surveillance (laughs) continues for a few days And like I said, Gacy's pretty chill about it, but then he starts to get bothered by it, and it's pretty apparent. He's not shaving, he's looking fucking tired, he feels like he's constantly being followed, like he probably honestly has the urge to kill, but he can't do it because he's being watched all the time, so it's probably driving him insane right now, I bet you. So he's just kind of going crazy. He goes to his lawyer, and he hires him to sue the police department for harassment. And he's also convinced his neighbors at this point that he's being harassed by the police, and the neighbors believe it because they think Gacy's a good guy. And they're like, wow, yeah, that's crazy. Why are they harassing you? Gacy's a cool guy. I don't really understand. Blah, blah, blah. So it's during this surveillance, though, that the police get confirmation that the receipt from the pharmacy was in fact Robert Pius or from Robert Pius jacket. Apparently his coworker was cold during her shift and he offered her his jacket to wear and she had um, turned in her film to get, you know, turned into pictures or whatever. And they give you the receipt 
And she said, I watched an interview, and she said she at first crumbled up and threw in the trash, but she said for some reason, she's like, no, maybe I'll put that. I'll actually keep that. And she stuck it in the pocket, but it was the pocket of Robert's jacket. Thank God she did that, or else there really wouldn't have been any evidence tying yeah. Robert to Gacy's house. So, because DNA is not really, like, a thing at this time. No. So, thank God she did that. So, they've confirmed that that is... In fact, the receipt proving that Robert was in Gacy's home. They also get a phone call from Michael Rossi, which is one of Gacy's workers from PDM Construction. And he tells them, which I find this kind of, we'll get into theories later. But he tells them, hey, I don't know if you know, but two other workers went missing, too, that worked for Gacy, that were young boys. Mm -hmm. Super weird. Um, And then they also had uh, interviewed David Cram, which was another one of Gacy's employees who actually lived with Gacy for a short time. And Ga- and Cram tells the police a story about how one time Gacy gave him a watch and said, don't worry about it, I got it from a dead guy. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Also, I want yeah. a side note that at one time Gacy told the police that clowns get away with murder. <laughs> that is why we cannot trust them. No, no. Cannot trust. So he's looking hella fucking sus at this point. Like, yeah, they don't have. It's a lot of um, what's the word when like the evidence is not super physical? I mean, they have some physical evidence, but it's a lot of circumstantial. Yes, yeah. But they're definitely like they're built. They're like okay, we need to really, really get in there. Yeah. Now he's like their number one. Um. Ugh. So at this point, the police are putting together a warrant for Gacy's property. Um, but this time, instead of for the specific items, it's going to be to search for a dead body. So, yeah, especially after smelling like a yeah. bunch of <laughs> that. They're like, I don't think he's alive. Yeah. So they're trailing Gacy, looking for any reason to arrest him. And on December 21st, Gacy gives them that opportunity. So right before this, Gacy was losing it. He knew the end was coming. Um, he went to his lawyers completely shit-faced and confessed to killing 33 boys. And this was on December 20th. Um, he was so drunk that he actually passed out for a while, regained consciousness, and then left like early in the morning. Yeah, so I actually, mess. I actually read that um, he confessed all that to his lawyer. Like he went in, and he's like, "Yeah, I killed the boys in the river." Blah blah blah. And then he passes out from his drunkenness. And mm-hmm. then his lawyer arranged to have, like, a shrink come and look at him and give him a psych eval. Mm-hmm. But when he w- wakes up in the morning, he's like, no, no, no. I didn't I didn't kill anyone. What are you talking about? Like, no, I have shit to do. I can't deal with this. And, like, leaves. Yeah. Probably like, fuck. I know, right? Should have had all his white claws. So. Uh... <laughs> white claws. <laughs> Can I get a black girl wasted? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's some white girl wasted stuff, though. I know. <laughs> Just going to your I take lawyers it back. confessing. Like, what? <laughs> no, you cannot do that. <laughs> My favorite thing, it was kind of thinking of, like, Chonk in the Goonies. And then, and then I was, I farted in her face. <laughs> yeah. I threw up. <laughs> and, the, and everyone in the movie theater started throwing up. It was awful. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> this is not what we wanted to hear. 
I pushed my sister down the stairs and I blamed it on the dog. (laughs) I identify with that kid so much on so many levels. (laughs) I smell ice cream. Um, All right. So anyway, December 21st, still later that day, Gacy is seen by police handing marijuana to a clerk at the gas station. So they're able to arrest him. Um, and He's got that reefer. Right, they like, got that devil's lettuce. Um, so they find out that he had told his lawyer that he had committed 33 murders. And uh, so police finally get their search warrant and are able to go to Gacy's property. Um, and they're looking, you know, for Robert Peace's remains. When they tell Gacy, he panics and says that Peace isn't there, but admits that he had to kill somebody out of self-defense and that he's buried in the garage. So while he's showing them where he buried um, uh, Timothy McCoy, other police notice a crawl space. And remember that Cram had mentioned something about laying down some limestone when they had interviewed him earlier. Which, side note, they actually did not determine that was Timothy's body until, I think, six years later. Yeah, it was a long time later. Yeah, Um, like with dental records or mm -hmm. something like that. But, And I don't think we mentioned, but... um, Cram had mentioned to the police in his interview that Gacy had hired him to put lime in the crawl space to cover up a smell from bad piping. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you're a construction worker, dude. What the fuck? Yeah. So they begin looking in the crawl space and they almost immediately find a body part. However, the body part uh, they find is significantly older and more decayed than Robert Peace's remains would be. So um, they continue looking, and then they come across three bodies. So Gacy is now taken back to the station, and uh, this is where all the like the shit starts to come out. So police really had no idea what they were uncovering at first, and now there's four dead bodies at Gacy's house, and you know they were just looking for peace, and then they stumble across this. Um, so at the station, Gacy breaks down, says that he killed 32 young men. Um, who he had sex with and starts to talk uh, about himself in the third person. All right, so he's going between calling himself John and Jack, as in Jack Hanley, the police um, the police officer that he had been impersonating. But Gacy isn't con- um, fes- confessing as himself. He's trying to, and very poorly, might I add, establish multiple personality disorder. So I was reading that the shrink who gave him an exam said that people who suffer from multiple personality disorder have no knowledge of what they did in another personality. And here we have Gacy describing in detail the crimes. He's almost bragging about the rope trick um, that he does, you know, to tie up these boys and then his handcuff trick. Yeah. What's that movie um, that's in the series of Unbreakable? Split. Split. That's what I think mm-hmm. of. And yeah. even though, I mean, that's a fictional story and stuff like that, there are some real aspects to it, but yeah. each character has no idea what the other character's been up to or doing. Yeah, they're John their own Gacy, person. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy's over here like, yeah, and then Jack did this, and then he did that, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hmm, seems like you were there for all of it, so yeah. that doesn't make sense. Anyways, they have Gacy draw a diagram, which I think I can post a copy of that actually on our Instagram. Have you seen the diagram, Katie? Yeah, I have. It's, it's a fucking mess. Like, I know. It looks like a freaking kindergartner. Yeah, 
it, it like I thought you were an artist, dude. But uh, so <laughs> Gacy draws this diagram that's supposed to show the cops where all the bodies are in his house, but. Like I said, it's a total wreck, and the police are just like, fuck this, we're just going to dig up the whole house. He only tells them six of the names, but at this point he's charged with peace murder, even though they really don't have peace body yet. However, the tow truck driver that helped Gacy out of the mud on December 13th comes forward, and so the police begin to search the river, but they can't find anything. It actually wasn't until April, several months later of 1979, that Robert P.S. body is found in the river. Um, there was actually like a big storm that happened, so I feel like his body probably got stuck on something that was keeping him underwater. And then when the storm hit, it probably got loose and then floated up, which probably. is sad. But yeah. I'd also like to mention real quick that the police had also found other bodies in the river before this whole thing, but obviously they didn't know what had happened to these boys um, until they search Gacy's house and find things like their IDs or their wallets and stuff. And they're like, okay, now we have a link here. So 20-year-old Timothy O'Rourke, I believe his last name is pronounced, was found June 30th. So this is about seven months before this of that year. And then 19-year-old Frank Landingen, Landingen? Landingen was found just a month before all this in the river uh, on November 12th, 1978. And both were found with underwear shoved down their throats. I also kind of feel like Gacy had run out of room in his house and was, I don't know, dro- oh, totally. dropping them in the so river. So started dumping them in the river. Yeah. So on December 23rd, they have the, you know, right warrants and permits and everything to just tear apart Casey's house. I guess they hadn't even really thought about the crawl space, too, until, I don't know, someone had mentioned, or no, it was like the backyard area. There was a body under where he had built his barbecue pit. So they wouldn't even have found these if they hadn't decided to basically just basically bulldoze his house. I mean, they, like, ripped it apart trying to get everything out of there. Um, They bring in dental experts and an anthropologist, and while they're pulling body after body out, these guys are trying to identify the best that they can and, you know, figure out all these different things. Um, A lot of, I was reading, well, I mean, a lot of them were identified by their dental records because it's kind of the only thing that they had back then. But uh, there were some people that were identified by weird things like, oh, well, he broke his arm playing baseball in this year, blah, 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 blah. And they would find, like, a random fracture yeah. and stuff. I'm sure that's where the anthropologist yeah. came in to look at. Yeah. It was really interesting um, just to see how they did Because now it's all DNA, right? You take a piece of their hair, mm-hmm. their bone, whatever, it's DNA. But back then, they had to think of all these other ways to identify them, so... It's crazy. So parents with missing boys are starting to call to see if they have found their sons. And hundreds of people are flocking to Gacy's house just to see what the fuck's going on. Like, this is a big deal. I mean, they're literally bringing body after body out from there. And I read in a couple reports, and I was really, this is really weird, actually. So I read in some reports that they were having to wear full hazmat, like, suits and everything like that. Because the smell, as I imagine, was so fucking terrible that people were coming out of the house throwing up from uncovering bodies and stuff. But it's weird because the pictures that we posted like on Instagram and stuff, 
they're just in like blue jeans and t-shirts but i'm maybe those were the first few bodies that they found and maybe that's the picture that we have yeah i imagine and then afterward they had to get suits on or something yeah and i'm sure as they kept going as the bodies were older too um god i don't know because i know that they were throwing like lime on a whole bunch of yeah um and like you said in the last episode the floor was spongy and stuff it's so gross so gross so the high school ring if you guys remember that had the initials jas on it they show that on tv actually and john six sizex I really wish I could pronounce his last name properly. Sizzik. Sizzik, thank you. <laughs> uh, they recognize it on TV and they come forward. And it's proven that the TV, if you guys remember, they took a picture of was also his, um, had been stolen from his apartment. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty insane. A lot of bodies had underwear stuffed inside their mouths or ropes around their necks still. And some of them even still had things like the pill bottles stuck up inside of them, which is really disgusting. And on December 28th, while all this is happening, a 20-year-old James Mazzara's body is found in the river. So this is just something out of a horror movie, I imagine, in America. Like, you just think, okay, it's the end of it, and then more bodies are popping up. Like, Mm -hmm. how is this fucking happening? What the hell? Uh, A lot of families are coming forward, though, to see if their missing child is part of this horror scene, but then there's a lot of families who are not coming forward, because when you read the newspaper articles, like, there was one I read today that was talking about the homosexual serial killer. They keep associating the term homosexual with Gacy, which, I mean, he was, but you gotta remember this is the 70s where no one wants to be outed or considered gay or homosexual or anything like that. So people... And also the the um, newspaper is also identifying these boys as gay themselves or maybe being in the prostitute life or something like that. So a lot of parents don't even want to come forward about their missing child because they don't want to believe that their child could be associated with that lifestyle. And the detective, Kozenzak, he realizes that this is probably a reason. Um, So he makes a statement saying, hey, these kids were kidnapped and raped. It had nothing to do with their sexual orientation or anything like that. Like, he approached all boys. So then some more families start coming forward after this, which is really sad to think about that your parent would not come after you because they're afraid Mm -hmm. of that. So I don't know. But a lot of these bodies are identified several months after being found. Like, this isn't just happening in a week. Like, maybe now that would happen, like I said, but remember, this is the 70s. So a lot of these bodies are slowly being identified, like April, March, May. A couple of them are identified six, five, six years later. There's actually, uh, I think, two bodies that are identified 35 years later, like, actually confirmed. And there's still six unidentified bodies today, which is sad. It's been like almost 50 years or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. and there's one um, body, Michael Marino, that his mom had accepted was her son and they buried him and everything. And then later she's like, no, actually, I don't think that is my son. And now she doesn't think her son is in the grave that her son supposedly is in. Yeah. Yeah really weird 
And sad. I feel like she's kind of going through some denial thing. Because the police even, like, exhumed the body. And they're like, no, this is your son. I think it is some sort of denial, not wanting to believe. Because, I mean, it's obviously um, tragic when your child dies. Yeah. But then in this way, with this so so much publicity, I'm sure it's just Mm -mm. the mental facts. It's just crazy. Yeah. But, you know, um, every cloud has a silver lining. And uh, one good thing about this is that police announced that clowns all throughout Chicago area are out of work because <laughs> parents are scared to have them around. That's sad. I don't care. Um, That's so sad. So when I was I, growing up, is a well, actually, <laughs> we both have a friend that's parents were clowns. And, I know you're a listener. Um, <laughs> I uh, love those people, but I have to disassociate the um, clown from the person, much like <laughs> I feel like the children of serial killers disassociate. Clowns have a place in killer. this world. If you're a clown, Hell. <laughs> if you're a clown, <laughs> I, I stand with you. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> this is some clown rights thing. This is just like... all clowns matter, Katie. <laughs> they really don't. They really don't. Also, my best friend growing up, his parents were clowns too, and I would even work mm-hmm. some birthday parties with them. I would dress mm-hmm. up as um, not a clown, but Bubbles from Powderpuff Girls, and I'd have to wear that giant, big, like head, you know, like Chuck E. Uh, Cheese. Yeah. Basically, I got paid twenty dollars an hour in middle school and high school Dude, to do that. Damn. So. It was not a bad gig, man. Clowns, yeah. you know, they make, they make good money doing the birthday party, so they have their place. Whether it's in your nightmares or in your fun Ronald McDonald-themed birthday party, they have Mm-mm. their place. No, their place is in jail. <laughs> their place oh is in jail. <laughs> um, the crime, clowning. Um, <laughs> it's just so gross. I hated it. I was watching um, Gacy interviews earlier, and he was just, like, talking. He's all, well, what clowning means to me is, and I'm like, skip. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. It's like high school class cloud, a whole new meaning. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, anyway, um, police are working hard to identify all the bodies um, because Gacy can't be charged with their murders until they know who they are. So as of January 8th, 1979, Gacy is charged with the murders of seven of his victims and then as well as kidnapping, sexual assault, and taking um, indecent liberties with a child. Um and oh, is that what we're calling it? <laughs> right? I'm just like, call what it is. <laughs> call it indecent liberties. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, anyway, Gacy pleads not guilty on January 10th by reason of insanity. Um, so as Habitha was talking about earlier, he was already setting this up. So he's examined by Dr. Robert Reifman, who diagnoses him with narcissistic personality disorder. And he says that there's no possibility that he had multiple personalities. Um, One, because of what Tabitha mentioned earlier about he wouldn't have been aware. And, um, And then also he said that if Gacy really had this disorder, it would affect him in other areas of his life. But, and then Gacy's behavior did not indicate somebody who was out of touch with reality. And his crime showed thoughtfulness, attention to detail, and reasonable behavior. Um, I wouldn't call that reasonable behavior. But, <laughs> but I mean, in the sense of like, yes. okay, like how he buried them in twos if they mm-hmm. were friends. And yeah. how he, I mean, even like he taking their doing. clothes and... There's so much fucking yeah. detail to the no, murders and the crimes and planning and everything. And then um, 
Reefman said that if there had been if there was any confusion shown, it was because Gacy was purposely trying to muddy the water. So he was, you know, he was smart. He was setting it up to make it look like he was crazy, but that was just also part of his control um, issues that go along with being a narcissist. So another psychiatrist, Dr. James Cavanaugh, agreed um, that Gacy was a narcissist, saying that when he first went to examine Gacy, he had been asked um, by Gacy to sign an agreement that his findings would not be shown in court and then insisted that the doctor play by his rules, which, like, the ball's on this guy. (laughs) (laughs) that's not how that Um, works yeah that's not you're not going to get treated by this guy i mean he's he's a business guy right yeah like he's a business guy so Mm -hmm. he's like i need a contract signed here let's get this mou signed up um gacy's lawyers though of course brought in their own doctors some from his past some new um who claimed that he had multiple personality disorder and schizophrenia um but they couldn't prove it so but anyway gacy was seen fit to stand trial and after his death his brain was actually given to um a doctor helen morrison and um she was studying it along with the brains of some other serial killers and she didn't notice any abnormal abnormalities on gacy's brain uh abby normal Oh my god, so funny. Um, Abby normal. <laughs> telling me you put an abnormal brain in a six foot, 200 pound giant? <laughs> or seven foot, whatever. Yeah. Um, Frank from Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Rest in peace. Rest in I peace, know. Frank. Yeah, he also, when I was going through the court case files, he had tried to counter everything that these mm-hmm. detectives did. I mean, obviously, right, he's trying to defend himself. That's what you yeah. do, right? But, but it was everything. It was like, oh, <laughs> the warrant uh, doesn't have any meaning and blah, blah, blah. And then he tried to say that his first confession, he was inebriated, it didn't count, this and that. Mm-hmm. He was harassed. He was held under false pretense. Like, things were staged. And then he was trying to deny he had any involvement. He even tried to blame it on other people. Like, he went from the crazy plea to, like, no other people were involved plea and, yeah. like, all kinds of stuff. He was fucking all over the place. So and his trial began, yeah, on February 6, 1980, which is about a year and, like, two or three months after they initially dug up his house mm-hmm. in Cook County. At this point, Gacy had given the police three different confessions, like I said. So they knew him for that he, they knew he was a murderer. Um, but he just kept going back and forth on everything. And it was just defense and prosecution going back and forth on whether he's sane or not sane. Like, was he coherent when he committed these murders? Was he not? Was he drunk? Was he sober? Whatever. Tons of witnesses come in on both sides, including family, friends, past employees, police, forensic experts, um, anyone who could discuss the state of the bodies found. The prosecution even went to the extent of bringing in the actual crawl space door for for a visual. I mean, I can only imagine what this poor jury had to go through for this fucking trial. Like the things they saw and heard. Lucky. No, just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I don't How ever want to ever... when I get jury duty, it's just for... <laughs> it's a traffic <laughs> ticket. <laughs> it's just for animal abuse. 
time. Oh my god, that's worse. <laughs> I ha- that was my last jury duty was for animal abuse, and then they asked me if I had adopted any pets, and I was like, yes, and they're like, you can leave, and I'm all peace. <laughs> so, if you're listening, Monterey County, <laughs> I want to meet a jury. <laughs> Do you never get jury duty letters? Or I something? never get jury duty. What? I have been, yeah, no, I've been called for jury duty, jury duty, duty. <laughs> I've been called for jury duty. Duty. That's a, <laughs> I'm not drunk. Anyways, um, I've been called for it twice in my life. And the first time, no, I'm sorry, three times. The first time I went in and they made me wait all day. And then like, actually, we don't need you. Go ahead and go home. And I was like, all right. And I ended up seeing someone I knew there. We just spent the whole day like talking. So then I was like, well, that sucks. I kind of want to be called. The second time I called the night before, like you're supposed to check in and they didn't need me. And then the third time I got it, COVID happened. Okay. You're so COVID yeah, I've I've again. never I've never had jury duty. My brother's had it, and he apparently got stuck on an actual case and was mm-hmm. like, he obviously can't disclose details, but he said he turned like he swayed the entire duty. Do oh my gosh, the entire jury from one answer they were going to another. Like apparently everyone was like, oh he's he's too young to be guilty, and he's like he's guilty. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> I was like, you go, brother, you go. Justice was served. (laughs) I have been called three times. And one time I was just dismissed. And then one time I got, um, and then the other two times I got to the questioning. So one was the animal abuse case. And then when they found out I had adopted animals because it was an adopted um, dog case, I got dismissed. And then the other one was domestic abuse. And I got dismissed for that one too because they were like, have you know anybody who's been domestically abused or did you grow up in a, a, a household with domestic abuse? And I was like, uh-huh. And they're like, all right, you can go. So I mean, obviously like, okay. you want to be truthful, right? Because they want yeah. the most unbiased people they can find, which is yeah. pretty impossible today, actually. But I know. There are so many people I know that make up reasons to not be part of jury duty, and I'm just like... I'm no. terrified to make up a reason, because I'm like, that judge is going to see right through me, and then I'm going to get like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble. I don't so really think so. Honest, I but... mean, you could honestly be like, I'm racist, and then they'll be like, all right, bye, kind of a thing. Yeah. But the thing that people don't realize is you could be the voice of reason that could majorly affect that person's life, good yeah. or bad. So obviously if they're a guilty person you know hopefully you're the person that recognizes that and if they're an innocent person hopefully i understand a lot of people don't want that weight on their shoulders and it's a whole other subject we can talk about some other time mm-hmm. but uh i would really one like day, to sit on a jury <laughs> one day it would be nice it would be nice one day to do that but i would want something interesting um i don't want the only courts and stuff i've sat like in well hmm, you know what now i think about it, i did sit in like a small trial but that was like when my dad was involved in something so but <laughs> not uh, the same <laughs> <laughs> not to get too personal here <laughs> It's different when you absolutely have to be there for yeah. reasons. Well, I didn't have to be. I wanted to be there. I wanted to. I wanted to see that happen. But anyway, yeah. Uh, let me get back onto uh, happier times, like Gacy's murdering thirty-three people. Um, <laughs> so they bring in the crawl space door and the photos of the crawl space, and the prosecution asked the jury to show the same sympathy to Gacy as Gacy has shown his victims. And at that moment, he picks up the pictures of the victims and throws them at the door of the crawl space to be like, that's what he did to those people. He threw them in the crawl space and forgot about them. 
If I was on the jury, Pretty I'd be dramatic. like, shit. I'd be like, <laughs> Golden Globe, right here. Standing up clapping. Give that man no. an Oscar. <laughs> yes. Get. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, you're enjoying this too much. It'd be juror, juror number five, please sit down. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you get him. You get him. You get him. So the defense took an interesting tactic. Uh, I mean, they had to get really creative, right? They're like, okay, we tried insane. We tried this. We tried someone else did it. Yeah. All this shit. Um, they bring in one of Gacy's surviving victims, which I don't know why the fuck they thought this was a good idea. Jeff Rignall, uh, who described his rape and torture. Well, let me back it up. We're watching a documentary. I'm pretty sure that apparently, I think the prosecution originally called him, but then decided not to use him or something like mm-hmm. that because of his testimony but then he really wanted to be heard still so i think he was like hey i'll talk on the uh defense side um i think and they the also whole- let him talk because they were like oh what this guy went through obviously gacy was insane at the time of this or something yeah like that. and but, wasn't yeah. he trying to say that there was someone he thought there was someone else in the room yeah i have that down a little bit later <laughs> but, yeah yeah, um, yeah. Yes. so sorry not to spoil it <laughs> but i think that's what the defense was going for was like he mm-hmm. didn't act alone kind of a thing like he was just the key holder for this dungeon of hell basically yeah um, so Jeff Rignall, he describes his rape and torture in such detail that he actually can't even finish it and he breaks down on the stand and he starts vomiting all over the place because that's how Poor fucking guy. insane it was, which is so terrible for a victim to have to relive that and to relive it in the same room as his terrorizer. Right. Um it's disgusting. So, and I also read that Gacy was like smiling this whole time. Oh, by I the bet way. he's probably reliving it, probably enjoying it, probably masturbating under the table. To be honest, mm-hmm. with this fucking handcuff. You want to know my handcuff trick? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they wanted to show, like, like Katie said, that Gacy was not in his right mind during this, but it was obvious how badly Rignal was fucked up and traumatized that it backfired on them. And then the defense decided to bring in Gacy's mom, who, if you guys remember, she babied Gacy his whole life and they always took his side. Living? <laughs> well, he lived with Dude. his mom in that house. I know. Before he married his second wife. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. And then he, like, booted her out or something like that or got her own place. Which, ugh, I don't know. So, and the sisters. And they all tried to, like be like, Gacy would never do this. No, no, no. And they, you know, tried to get some sympathy by talking about his really hard childhood and how fucked up their dad was. And it's like, we all, we have all hard got problems. Like, we, we all got problems. We all have hard okay? childhoods. We all have hard childhoods. And we don't go around, you know, murdering boys and getting yeah. them in our crawl spaces. And if you guys ever get the chance to read a interesting take on this, you can read uh, Gacy's defense lawyer's book. I think it's called Defending a Monster mm-hmm. by Sam. I always want to say his last name is Am I Right? And I know it's Am I <laughs> Sam, Am I Right? <laughs> He's kind of like a real arrogant son of a bastard, honestly, when you read that book. I've only read parts of it, but I was like, oof, this guy. Yeah. I mean... In one way, everyone deserves a defense lawyer, right? That's the American 
judicial system. But sometimes you're like, this fucking sack of shit does not deserve to be represented. But I don't know, maybe that's wrong of me to say. No, I do want to note though. That's why I'm not in that career. (laughs) I do want to note though that I feel like Sam did redeem himself a little bit later in life because he actually. Um, his he joined an organ a nonprofit organization later, and he helped author the Missing Child Act of 1984, which is where they created a 24-hour toll-free number to report missing children. So mm-hmm. that did help a little bit. Casey's case, sadly, yeah. too late, but it did help a little bit. So good yep. time. <laughs> so the um the case finally went to the jury on march 12th so this is over a month um of all these and um here i mean god probably like a day of talking about each victim Mm -hmm, i bet and then um they deliberated for less than two hours (laughs) before coming back with a guilty verdict for 33 charges of murder and sexual assault um so they are basically just like talking for each charge for a minute and we're like he did it 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 yeah that's the thing that when i first heard it was two hours i was like two hours what are they discussing and then it's like well wait a second they have to go through every charge and be Uh like what do you guys think guilty not guilty guilty so so it was impressive how fast it was um, yeah with all those charges and i'm like i wouldn't even need to look at my notes and be like guilty guilty (laughs) guilty so, um, jury everyone, duty, jury duty, <laughs> junk mail, pink slip. <laughs> yeah. So, um, then when it came to sentencing, it also took less than two hours, um, for it to be decided that Gacy would be put to death. Um, good on that. If I, I mean, I'm not a big supporter of the death penalty, but I am in this case. Yeah. No, I don't. Especially because this prick lived like honestly a fucking stupid life on death row in my opinion but mm-hmm. wanted to be mr um artist. the freaking mex picasso so mm-hmm. after sentencing gacy served 14 years on death row at menard correctional center where he wrote his book buried dreams oh my god the title just stop he also began painting self-portraits. I don't know why every serial killer decides to pick up painting on death row. Like They do two things. They either become Christian and start a Bible study, or they become an artist. <laughs> yeah, Gacy did both, by the way. He found yeah. religion in the end, and he painted. He painted some pictures of Jesus Christ, but he also painted pictures of Charles Manson, Hitler... Elvis, himself as a clown. Um, he painted a lot of beach sceneries, sunsets. Uh, he really liked the Seven Dwarfs. He painted them a lot. Uh, he painted Katie's favorite clown ever, the clown on It, um, which I saw, and it's absolutely terrifying, by the I way. Like, oh I my god, I had to see it's, his self portrait as Pogo, and I'm all he gave all it like these terrifying, like, snake fangs, and I was like, that's fucking. This, that's scary as hell. Which I did read somewhere that... Now, I kind of want to look this up, though, because I don't know about the timeline, so I could be totally wrong on this. But I read somewhere that Stephen King based it off of Gacy, but I don't know if that's true, like, if that actually lines up with huh. when his book came out. I need yeah, to look I that know. up. I'm going to look it up after this episode and maybe talk about it 
at a different point. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you can Google it now if you're listening. Yes, and Um, you can let us know. (laughs) You can let us know. But anyways, he would give these paintings to Mm -hmm. some of his pen pals or people who interviewed him, and he actually sold these motherfucking paintings for a profit, which is absolutely disgusting. His stepdaughter had no issue taking money for it. His stepdaughter, Tammy, until uh, 1985, they cut that off. Now, before Gacy was arrested... No, no, no. When did the Son of Sam law happen? Was that in the early 80s? I think it was 84. I think so. I think that's why he was... Um, he had he had to stop selling them for profit. Yeah, was because well, of the, the Son, Son of Sam, Sam law. law. So if you guys know anything about Son of Sam, there's a documentary on Netflix right now. You can watch about it mm-hmm. and get all crazy about Which theories. I did not realize that Berkowitz was in his twenties. I was just like, dude. You oh yeah, like, he was really I young. Did not like, realize because I always thought he was like older because his I mean his face jacked up, but. No, yeah. he's just young and, I mean, you know, obsessed over a stupid girl and mm-hmm. lovers, lane woes, and probably <laughs> penis shrinkage and whatever. <laughs> uh, that's why you get circumcised, dude. No, just kidding. <laughs> I was in the pool! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was in a pool! Um... But Son of Sam tried to write and sell a book for profit, and New York was like, fuck no, dude, this guy terrorized our city, like, hell no. Mm-hmm. So they were the first state to come up with that law that murders, serial killers, and all that cannot profit off of anything that they make in prison. But this did not become a nationwide law for some time, so yeah. it took a while to catch up to Gacy here. Uh, actually, fun fact, because I know Katie's such a big Cubs fan, uh, he actually painted a picture of the Seven Dwarves playing baseball and then put, like, the Cubs logo on there, and then mistakenly, the Cubs had no idea what the fuck they were signing, but they signed it and autographed it. Had no idea what they were saying. (laughs) It's kind of funny. My Cubs would never do that on purpose, um, but... Um, that's probably the one Gacy painting I would, would want. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of people wanting it, these paintings, by the way, are going from anywhere from $6,000 to like $175,000, mm-hmm. which is fucking disgusting and insane. Yeah. The first exhibit of his artwork was in, I think, Vegas in 2011, but a lot of people were just really disgusted with the idea. Oh, so yeah. I don't think it I mean, lasted very long. People bought these paintings just to destroy them, which I don't yeah. blame them for. And, and some people were buying them or auctioning them off and donating money, I think, to actual victim family, which I yes. think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But then you got to think about the sick fucks that own it. Yeah. Which, speaking of a sick fuck, Zach Bagans, of course, <laughs> is a sick fuck that owns Zach them. Zach Bagans. I didn't I know actually a sick saw, fuck Well, we both him. saw. We saw him. He has one of, of um, Ebb's Gacy's I think he has Coco. two. I think he has two of them, actually, at his museum in Vegas. Definitely one of him is a clown, and yeah. there's, I think, another one. He I also has right. one of Richard Ramirez's paintings, too. Yeah, and I remember we saw them when we were there, and I was just like, of course this fucking guy has it. He has Manson's ashes. Of course he's going to have I know paintings. Oh. And the van that, what's his name, like, killed all those senior Dr. citizens. Dr. Death, in. yeah. Yeah. 
Kevorkin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Zach Bagans is a he's a weird dude, man. And I'm pretty sure that guy's like possessed by a demon. <laughs> dude, I um, his uh debit box probably got him like No, I, okay. If you guys yeah. are in Vegas and you really want to like freak yourself the f- Okay. So I went to the haunted Zag Bagans Haunted Museum twice. The first time was with Katie for mm-hmm. her birthday and she made us go and we all got super sick after visiting the one room that had uh yeah. what's his name stuff in the guy who made furniture out of people's skin. Um it was uh oh my god, my mind just went completely blank. It starts with a G. Ed Gein. There you go. Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Yeah. They had some of Ed Gein's stuff there. Yeah, you and, and I were like, oh my god. Like, yeah, I, it did like, not, I felt like, it was like, felt heavy. It was not Yeah, like good. the air was thick. Yeah. It was weird. And I remember, like, I used the bathroom after, and I felt like the bathroom was rocking back and forth, and I was like, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know what the fuck. And I was sober, by the way, guys. <laughs> like, I was 100% sober for oh, yeah, this. Oh, we like, were I was sober. not hungover. I was not drunk. I was not on drugs or anything like that. This was, like, Sunday afternoon on a fucking really way too long weekend in Vegas, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> and it was, like, I don't know. All of us felt really sick and nauseous and weird after going there. The second yeah. time I went, I went just actually two months ago. I did not feel anything like that. I actually felt like, hmm, everything's a fucking act. Like, it was weird. Like, I felt like nothing's real. I did go into the room this time with the divot box, and I did feel really weird about that. Like, I was like, that's some fucking weird Jewish Israel shit that I don't want to mess with. Like, <laughs> no. Oh I don't know. Like, I, I felt like if anything's real, it's probably that. I did yeah. do the Annabelle thing, too, or whatever oh, the doll's the name doll is. scared the shit out of yeah. the woman the first time. Um, I was like, uh, I think only Alyssa and I went in that one the first time, and oh. we both were scared. <laughs> you know what else I'm thinking of? Sorry, we're getting really distracted here, but we're at the end of our episode anyways. Uh the first time I went with you, that room where they dug up the entire basement of that one haunted mm-hmm. house. The demon That house. room I also felt really fucking yeah. weird in. And they kind of like almost lock you in a room with like dirt from like a demon possessed house. Yeah. So there's these three areas. So it's the divot box, the haunted doll, and then that house area that are in three separate rooms. And you can choose to go in there or not because this yeah, is you where don't people have, to go in have like the worst experiences there. So they give you the option to do that or to stay outside. And um, I, I'm i like, let's attempt fate and go into them. Yeah. Um, but did not feel great afterward. Um, no. Especially after the doll one. And uh, Did you go in the yeah. basement, by the way, when we went for your birthday? I don't feel like we did. What was down did there? It, didn't we just stand around the basement entrance and they talk about down there? I don't remember. I'd have to so, remember what was in there. Uh, it looks like a dungeon, basically. And you have to go down these really dark stairs that are pitch black to get down there. Do so I'm pretty sure when I went with you, because I went with you before COVID, mm-hmm. and they only talked about downstairs, but they didn't let us downstairs. But when I went two months ago, they said, for the first time ever, <laughs> Zach Bagans is opening his haunted basement. In this house, satanic rituals were practiced. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Anyways, yeah, because the house itself that it's in is supposed to be haunted. So Yeah, I think yeah. like some famous bunny i think it is yeah. like playboy bunny like lived there and she's like i remember people were doing shit and i'm like were they doing porn or were they doing satanic rituals because they're different things 
It's hard to believe sometimes, but they're different things. Um, but apparently shit happened in the basement, and we went down there. It didn't freak me out. It just felt like I was walking through like a haunted house at the boardwalk or something like that. Yeah. But what I noticed this time when I went is they rushed us through every exhibit instead mm-hmm. of like when I went with you where we could kind of stand in there for a minute and take it in. This one was like, quickly walk around, say hi to the doll, and say bye and leave. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's it? As I remember, you know, the tour was really long because they just let us take our time. And I don't know if it was because it was just like on off season or what, but I was surprised by how yeah. much we were allowed to spend time we were allowed to spend there. This was weird. They also had one part where they said if we wanted to, we could crawl through this crawl space. And I was like, fuck no. My uh, my boyfriend did it. And I was like, good luck. <laughs> I'd rather sleep with the doll. <laughs> It was nice knowing you. No, fuck no. Um, But yeah, honestly, Zach Bagans, you're probably haunted as shit. Like, I feel like I would have to, like, drench myself in holy water before even being in the same room. The thing is, though, is, like, he invites... We're getting way off base here. But he invites, I know he's all, if you're a ghost, come at me. Yeah. fuck fuck your mom, come at me. I'm like... He's all, come on, bro. You're next up on the table of Pong, bro. What you doing, bro? And this ghost is probably like, I'm just waiting. Right? (laughs) I'm going to fucking kill you in your sleep. And someone told me one time that they were at that house or the museum and Zach Bagans was in the room, but like in a dark corner and just like, like no one knew he was in there. And then like, he literally, he was in a dark corner and then he just came out and he's like, what did you think about my tour? And I was like, holy fuck. I would have like fucking sucker punched him in the throat. Like, get back from me, Satan. I know. Satan, get behind me. Not today. Not today. Not today, Zach Bagans. Anyways, like I was saying, he owns John Gacy's <laughs> We're so sorry. Guys, every once in a while, I just have one too many drinks, and I have to tell one too many stories of my very interesting life, okay? We haven't gone so, on a tangent in a while, so just let us have it. <laughs> let us have it. We're getting, we're getting to the end here. So anyways, as I was saying... <laughs> He did a painting of the Chicago Cubs dressed up as dwarves, and that's a really terrible accent. I don't know what the fuck it is, but anyways, <laughs> the Cubs, if you don't know, are Katie's favorite baseball team. Yes. So, um, I also read that Cal Ripken Jr. signed his Oriole painting, and then a friend of Gacy's, um, how they were getting these autographs, was a friend of Gacy's would trick, like, tricked people into signing them. So yeah. he would take a little... It's not like the Cubs are like, oh, I love Casey. <laughs> right? I love that guy. No, they were taking an index card and then covering up where Gacy had signed the paintings. And then we're just like being a fan, being like, oh, can I get your signature on this? And then they'd sign it because, you know, it's the Cubs and, you know, the Seven Dwarves. And then um, there was an other like boxing paintings where he got like Muhammad Ali and other boxers to sign it. And so this would drive up the price for bigger profit because then you're getting a Gacy painting signed by Gacy and then all these famous people. So it was just the scam they were pulling, which... Be honest. Do you want that painting? I kind of do, but I also (laughs) would not want it in my house. And I'm not going to rent a storage unit just for that. Okay, so I'm going to confess something. I, uh, when I went to the Lizzie Borden house, they sold tiny little capsules of the original basement floorboards were basically like like ground up and things like that into these capsules and i bought it Mm -hmm. and i didn't really think about it. it's been my purse for the last week and i kind of thought 
Is this something I should be carrying around? I'm going to get axed. I mean, I think that they are, you know, good or, <laughs> let my historian come out, um, <laughs> good or bad pieces of dark history are still history. So um, they need to be, you know, if they're going to be kept or um, displayed in a way that is sensitive to, you know, that. It needs to be sensitive, but I don't necessarily think it needs to be destroyed because it is telling a story, no matter if it is a bad story or not. So it's so, perfectly normal for me to turn that capsule into a necklace, right? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say not. <laughs> to put it on a shelf or something in your house, maybe, um, or in a box with some keepsakes. I'm like one of those people that kind of wants morbid things like not really but kind like i'm interested like yeah like well, I mean, the gacy painting i want to see it i want to see the gacy yeah. painting i don't know why i i think it's fucked up and i and i'm like yeah no one should be profiting off that especially not fucking gacy's family no. like it should be the victims if anything profiting off it but it's also like why the fuck does someone want to pay almost two hundred thousand dollars for a serial killer's motherfucking well, whether we time. like it or not these serial killers are celebrities like we yeah. talk about and at them at the same time and i'm willing to pay 20 dollars to see the freaking charles manson ashes so yeah. and human nature man we just like seeing crazy shit <laughs> it's the curiosity yeah and um we like to know more and then we also like to be like wow we survived this all these people and all these sick like serial killers out there, but one hasn't found us yet. So, <laughs> even though I read a statistic that you probably, I think, meet or pass by nine serial killers in your life. I don't know how true that is, but I think I know one of them. By my suspicions about something. Oh God, <laughs> Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's he's passed. I'm sure. If that guy's still alive, then like, um, sorry, Mr. Anderson, for talking about you on the show, and uh, two, um. And I'm How are you still alive? Because <laughs> you were old when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> anyways. So anyways. <laughs> well, anyways. Um, while Casey was in prison, he was brushing up on his law knowledge by reading and then filed numerous appeals. Um, he also claimed over and over again that he only knew about some of the murders, but not all of them, and that he had not done them. He was just aware that they had happened. Oh um, yeah, like in the documentary we watched, where he yeah. had he he literally was pulling out. Um, he was saving newspaper clippings yep. of like every crime, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, he had like a little scrapbook for each yeah. victim." And he's like, "I think someone else knew that I buried a body down there, and they decided to use it as well." Like, right? Oh, that like, makes okay. perfect fucking sense. Yeah, and then like he was like, "Oh, I was on a business trip. People had keys to my house, and they killed him." You know. And then he claimed that the biggest crime was. <laughs> that his biggest crime was running a cemetery without a license. Um, just like, all right, dude. Uh, That's not your biggest <laughs> crime, I can guarantee it. Also, uh, like, how do you not smell the disgusting smell of rotting bodies in right? your house? Dude, come on. Um, but as we know, his conviction was upheld. Um, he did not get out. Um, he was also interviewed numerous times on prison and he claimed that he was innocent. And then he said in one interview that the proof that he was innocent was because he had taken truth serum and the truth serum had shown that he uh, didn't know anything about these murders. So, and then he said after that, that he was actually the Riddler. (laughs) (laughs) 
seriously. No, he's a uh, Kentucky tr- fried clown. That's what he is. Truth, uh, truth serum does not exist, buddy. Dude, I know. And then, but then he was like, "Oh, and my values don't uphold child abuse." I'm just like. Okay, whatever, man. He was also really, uh, this is one thing during the entire time he was arrested on trial and later, he never, ever claimed to be homosexual. No. Like, he, at he the was most, he was like, oh, that. at the he, most, I'm bisexual, but. Bisexual, but never homosexual. Like, he, gays, like, yeah, exactly. And he would call the children that he murdered, he'd call them disgusting, gay sluts, prostitutes, mm-hmm. like, all these foul languages, which I think was a lot of him still. Yeah, like him hating himself for being gay. And just, like, wanting the approval of his father and stuff like that, which is just... Like, your dad was a dick, and your dad's dead, so... Dude, you had an 18-inch dildo. You're gay. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, the dildo... I'm, like, 18-inch dildo? Don't be greedy. I can't help if I got a wide-set vagina. That's from Mean Girls, by the way, guys. <laughs> it's not a self-quote. But, it's not a self-quote. Oh Anyways, so on May 9th, 1994, Gacy was transferred to Crest Hill Correctional for his execution, where he was allowed to have a picnic with his family before his death. And what was his last meal? Well, it was a KFC bucket of chicken. Of course, a fucking life. I mean, come on. The colonel's got to go out with a bang. (laughs) He also had a dozen fried shrimp and french fries and strawberries for a nice little sweet after and a Diet Coke because he's watching his figure, apparently. After his bucket of chicken and dozen fries. And he's about to die, dude. Like, dip me in a gallon of chocolate or some shit. I'm about to die. I'd be like, get me a a ranch fountain and a pile of buffalo wings. Yeah. Also, would really like a large margarita, please. (laughs) The largest margarita. Are they they allowed alcohol? Probably not. I don't know. I don't think I've actually ever heard of one drinking alcohol for their last. I feel like no, because they don't want anything to like react with with them. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, a bucket of KFC chickens just fine. That's a different kind of reaction. God, clean up the shit mess after that. Anyways, uh, (laughs) that night he was brought to the execution room and about a thousand people gathered outside because in traditional American history with serial killers, we love to throw lawn parties and tailgate, right? I mean, that's what they did for uh, fucking Ted Bundy, right? Fry, Mm -hmm. Bundy, fry! Well, they were saying sh- they had shirts on that said "No tears for the clown." Blah blah blah, blah which is our tears cocktails named clown. after that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Gacy said the state was murdering him, and his last words were "Kiss my ass." He never showed any remorse for what he had done, and while he was alive on death row, like I said, he would only talk badly about the murder victims and their families and all the shit they're putting him through. I also want to note that his death did not go according to plan. Uh, He was killed or executed, I guess the word is, right? Because if the state does it, it's not killing you, it's executing you. Uh, he was executed by lethal injection, but apparently it didn't 
work fast enough like it normally did and it started to harden in his blood vessels so he actually mm-hmm. had a pretty painful death it took took a little bit of time to go through you know what i don't care i don't care yeah i mean it's nothing like he put his victims through right yeah no i'm just like well good for him <laughs> good for him good for the whatever that killed him so um now for some fun theories uh all from uh from reddit of course <laughs> That's for you well, of course, thing. and also, I mean, if you're listening, you probably watched Peacock's uh, documentary, and they kind of, you know, try to throw in some theories of their yeah, own on there. Get you, get you questioning. So, um, the story that Gacy acted alone for all these murders, um, there, you know, that's just the story. But there are some people who don't believe that at all. Uh, when Gacy interviewed with FBI profile Robert Ressler, he was pretty adamant that he hadn't acted alone. But, um, you know, was this something true or was it Gacy um, claiming this so he wouldn't have to take responsibility and could get out? Um, we don't know, but we're going to talk about a little, a couple of these theories going around about Gacy. So a man named Philip Paskey worked for Gacy at some point and he was later connected to the Delta Project, which was a huge child sex trafficking ring run by John Norman. Um, and then the theory here is that there was no way Gacy and Paskey could have worked together and not known the other's interests. And so they most likely worked together on at least a couple of these murders. I mean, it's also kind of plays into the theory of like, why did Gacy get away with this for so long? Mm-hmm. Like maybe small town politicians were involved in this or police mm-hmm. officers or something like. Yeah, Delta Project was big. Like so and so possibly people were protecting him in there and. Um, Gacy's house was just like a place to, you know, do whatever they wanted. Yeah. Um, Like they can go back to their wives and their families at the end of like a fucking rowdy ass night. At Gacy's. And they don't have a mess to clean up after like Gacy will take care of the mess for you. Mm -hmm. And another theory is a recording that came out after Gacy's death. So um, this was from his time in prison where he laments being the only one arrested for the murders and says that the men um, and he would call these people his associates. He wouldn't say like, you know, partners or whatever. He'd be like, oh, my associates weren't caught. I was the only one who was caught. And then he says that men by the last names of Pesky, as in, you know, Philip Pesky, Cram, which was the employee we had talked about earlier, and a known, um, who was also actually a known victim of Gacy's. David Ro- Cram. Yes. Um, Rossi, which we talked about before. Michael Rossi. Mm-hmm. Um, which, who- if you guys remember, is the one who strategically, randomly called and said, hey, by the way, two other boys are missing from PDM. Yeah, and he lived with Gacy at one point, and he also later had mob ties. So, you know, this guy wasn't and the best dude. And Cram committed suicide later at 21. So, yeah. I mean, he it could have been because he was a victim of Gacy's and couldn't live with what had happened to them. Yeah. Or because he was guilty. I, I mean, Because Cram know. also lived with Gacy for a short mm-hmm. time frame. He did. And Cram admits to digging trenches in the crawl space, but yeah. he says, oh, I didn't know what it was for. And he says he admits to pouring lime to cover mm-hmm. up, like we said, the stench down there. So I wouldn't be surprised if that theory is actually kind of true, that maybe Rossi and Cram, or at least Cram, knew what was going on yeah. and maybe kind of aided in covering up. Like, maybe they got paid to do so. They're probably mm-hmm. in a tight spot. They don't have anywhere to live. Gacy's taking care of them, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know. 
Yep. And then um, the other name he named was Norman, John Norman, who was, you know, that leader of the Delta Project. Um, but the recording was released by a Gacy memorabilia collector, so and its validity is unknown. So I don't even know how this guy got that recording or if it's real, um, you know, anything like that. So, And then one of Gacy's surviving victims, who we talked about earlier during the trial, stated that during his rape and torture that he believed that somebody else was in the room with Gacy. So that's also where that theory that Gacy didn't act alone kind of took off. Um, yeah. Because Which, he, I mean, could be true. Yeah. It also could be that this person was heavily dosed with alcohol and mm-hmm. probably drugs, Valium, whatever. Yeah. Um, sometimes you see shit. I mean, maybe the devil was in the room with him yeah. at the same time, right? I mean, this is definitely some fucked up shit going on here, so. Yeah. So, but it's, um, you know, as of today, Gacy's been the only one arrested and then um, tried and convicted and, you know, now killed from this, so. Not the tiniest ounce of me believes that Gacy is not guilty. Oh, no. Like, He definitely is guilty. He is guilty. Somebody may have been helping him, but that doesn't make him any less guilty. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, that means that, obviously, there's somebody out there who has gotten away with it for this long and hopefully if there is another person or persons out there they're brought to justice too um i think that i don't think that anyone necessarily helped him in the actual my my own theory is i don't think anyone actually helped him in the murder and actual assault of these boys but i think that maybe people knew something's going on in the basement but i don't want to find out yeah, you know, I could see or that. people are going missing, but I don't want to ask questions because I got this car from Gacy for a really good deal because he did shit like that. Like he mm-hmm. sold one of his victims' cars. Said, "Oh, he he sold it to me because he's running off to California, which makes no fucking sense. You need your car to go to California." Yeah, but uh, things like that. Or I really need this job, so I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, I or could see that. Or blah blah blah. Like people do that already. That's mm-hmm. why we have so many fucking monsters in office and shit like that. But uh, I, I don't. I can I don't also know. see though with this Delta Project thing, people going to Gacy's, Gacy's hiring these young boys, offering them to these higher up people. The higher up people being like, okay, we'll protect you if you take care of this problem. They rape these kids, and then Gacy takes care of the problem and buries them. Like he finishes so, them off or something. Yeah. And so I could see that because it took so long for him to get caught and that lieutenant's son who even went missing and still nothing happened. I feel yeah. like there was definitely people that were protecting Gacy. I mean, he was well-connected. He was a JC. He was the precinct leader. He um, was involved in so many different areas of the city. I feel like he was protecting them until, or he was protected until Kozenzak came in and was like blew everything open and then Gacy had to take the fall. But I want to know like yeah. what those people feel like after this all came to light because like so 27 bodies were found under the house but mm-hmm. then there were two more bodies found one under like I said the barbecue pit area mm-hmm. and one under I think it was maybe the front door of the house I want to say. Uh but 
he like we said he had all these parties at his fucking house yeah all these big ass barbecues and all this shit can you imagine you're just at a party and you're like there's dead bodies under you and shit like that Uh. and you're just partying here barbecuing it up with fucking john gacy and some poor victim is like literally under you while you Mm -hmm. fucking eat your corn on the cob and shit yeah Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I'm sure so that that town is was really fucked up. Like I honestly, I'm sure they're probably still recovering from that. I'm sure all those poor poor kids and their families. Yeah. Cuz I mean, obviously the kids were the ones who suffered, but then every single person who knew them or was related to them yeah. is forever no, yeah. connected to that. Forever. Like the kids, obviously, but then like their families and then the neighbors and then people who maybe noticed something off but didn't really say anything. Yeah. And the guilt that I would feel if like I'd been like, oh, if I had just paid closer attention, yeah. I could have saved how many boys lives. Like the guilt of like, well, maybe he did run off to California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, good luck to him kind of a thing. Like, yeah. I don't know, man, That that's... Uh, that's heavy, and I feel for the people that live in that area, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is John fucking Wayne Gacy, man. Like. Yeah. He's fuck. It's a fucking awful. monster. Yep. It's crazy. Uh, there's a lot of serial kills that I read about, and. Okay, first of all, before I ever started doing any kind of real. Inv- I mean, I knew about some. The big hitters, right? Like John Wayne Gacy, uh. Ted Bundy, right, Dahmer, things like that. I knew about them in high school and stuff like that. But I remember I got really into watching the show Dexter, which is making a comeback, by the way. And I don't know how I feel about it. We'll see. They really fucked up the last season, so I hope they... They turn it around. Is it just going to be for one season as like a redemption or? I have no idea. They didn't do that for Game of Thrones. (laughs) I'm in love with Michael C. Hall and I forgive him for everything. I love him. But uh, I don't forgive Showtime for their (laughs) shitty writing. So like it was super fucked up. Anyways, uh, in Dexter, you have serial killers who their numbers are astronomical, right? Like Dexter himself has killed hundreds of people. Yeah. And I thought, oh yeah, that's a serial killer. And then I started investing in serial killers. I'm like, oh, serial killers normally kill like less than ten people, yeah. and they're a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And then you have people like Bundy or Gacy that are like fucking huge numbers, and you're like, thirty three people is a lot of people to kill. Yeah. It is not like, oh, he only killed that many people. No, the it's short a time lot, that he a lot of people. Too. He killed them in a short time. By the yeah, time he like died, three he was years. only 50. So it was just, and he was already in prison at that time for four. Well, his years. first kill was in 1972. Then mm-hmm. he killed two more by 75. Yeah. And then by 78, when his kingdom came down, he'd already killed 30 more people. That's yeah. 10 people a year if you want to like divvy it up that way. Like, yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's uh, it's disgusting, and it's um. If thank God for technology taught, today. He would have easily been in the hundreds. So yeah, um, and quickly too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, today like DNA is just on everything, so it's kind of it's not impossible, but it's pretty hard to get away with that many murders. Yeah, thank and just God. technology tracking you. Thank like, God. Yeah. Um, I was watching Forensic Files the other night, and I joke about Forensic Files, and we watch it, and sometimes I fall asleep to it, whatever. 
But there was a really interesting case that they did um, where this little girl's family moved from Africa to the Mm -hmm. U.S. and they moved into a home and... What happened was is the little two-year-old girl was eating paint strips off the front porch and the paint had um, lead in it and mm-hmm. she died. But the owner of the apartment never disclosed information about the lead. So he was actually liable for that death. Mm-hmm. But they, of course, Forensic Files talks about the science, right? And yeah. how they solved the case. It was mind-blowing to me all the fucking science and shit and tests that they ran. I mean, mm-hmm. they really went all the way to, like, Sudan to test even, like, bottle fluids that the kids were eating over there. Like, it was extensive work. The CDC was involved and all this shit, and I'm just like, science is fucking crazy, yo. Science is crazy. But it really is, though. Like, yeah. It's insane to me. They took, like, follicles of her hair, and they're like, well, we were able to test this side, and we were able to pinpoint the exact date that she started eating lead, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is, it's so insane. And if you guys think that your police forensic team is not doing anything, I mean, they are. Like, yeah, they are. I mean, obviously, there are some cases where police, you know, are fucked up, but... A lot of the times, the forensic team—they're doing a lot of fucking science, and it's they're it's really insane in so to think much about. Work. Yeah, there's so much work. Like, yeah, and they're and constantly creating new ways to like solve things. Like you were telling me recently, how they're like testing error now to see if mm-hmm. DNA is floating around in the air, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I like if you're thinking about killing somebody, don't. You're gonna get caught. Like your ass is gonna go to jail. You're gonna and get caught in a second. Yeah. Yeah, and don't I'm do gonna it. laugh at you. So don't do it. You think you're smart anyway. <laughs> because you watch Dexter? You ain't smart. No. They're like ten steps ahead of where the TV shows are and where you're reading and what's out there. They're ten steps ahead and they're gonna get you. What Talking you about do? being ten steps what ahead, I think we're gonna talk about aliens next, guys. So uh, we really want to do some aliens. So which is obviously different aliens. than our normal stuff, but um. I mean, I guess it's not really a crime, or maybe it's a crime that you don't believe in aliens if you don't believe in aliens. (laughs) There's some crimes that have been connected to aliens, so I'm thinking we can try to find some of those. But anyway. I swear, officer, it was an alien that raped my cousin, not me. Oh my god. It was them damn dare aliens from outer (laughs) space. (laughs) Anyway, so our sources real quick. Oh, yeah, let's um, so. talk about our sources, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so we have a couple, uh, just a couple, because we haven't yes. really talked about sources at all through this series, so let's give them due credit. Yeah. So, John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise, CrimeMuseum.org, History.com, Oxygen. There were a couple really good interviews on Oxygen, by the way, and some of them are actually, uh, like, one of them I described was Robert Piast friend co-worker they mm-hmm. interviewed her which i thought was a pretty interesting interview uh obviously reddit because you can't go down a rabbit hole without going to reddit first uh chicago tribune new york times we found some fbi records on gacy and a lot of this was taken from the cook county circuit court files and also gacy interviews that we found whether it was online or in documentaries got it from satan's mouth so yep So that is Gacy, and I'm sorry about the many tangents in this episode. (laughs) Um, It is very late. (laughs) (laughs) I 
know. I looked at the clock and I'm all, ooh. Well, um, how long is this episode? This episode definitely went a lot longer than we planned on it going, and I'm sorry about that. We could have honestly, um, like we said earlier, made a fourth part, but we were just like, let's get the rest of this done. And Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we had to go on some tangents. So We had to go on tangents. It's a long episode, guys, but yeah. she made it. Congratulations. Uh, thank you again, patrons. Make sure to check out our Instagram for that cocktail if you guys are a little thirsty. Thirsty. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, give us a review. We love reviews and send us a message on anything Let us know Gacy if he's related. Been abducted by aliens. Let us know yes, if you've had alien actually, experiences. Yes. We want to hear about your alien experiences. If you've seen lights, you know whatever. Um, because we're gonna if you want acid, that's fine too. Just let us know. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> but um, we want to hear about it, and we'll probably believe you. Yeah. So, so all right, you guys have a wonderful week, and uh, catch you on the flip side. <laughs>